third floor, shoes, athletic wear, this podcast. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, a friendly reminder that on October 10th, Thursday, Multitude will be live in Boston, Massachusetts. We have an incredible variety show lined up. We had our first meeting deciding what is going to be all of the different parts of the show, and I'm so excited about it. There's going to be some parts that closely match the formats of our podcasts. There's going to be some parts that just have the Multitude hosts doing ridiculous things on stage. It's going to be so much fun. And I really hope all of you come through. If you're close by, it's going to be great. We'll be able to meet you after the show. It'll be a fantastic experience. We're trying to get some guests in the mix. It's going to be great and you're not going to want to miss it. So if you want to get tickets because they are selling fast, head on over to multitude.production slash live. And as I've mentioned, I'll also be in Boston that weekend for LeakyCon. I don't know what the schedule is just yet, except for that Potterless Live is going to be happening on Friday. So hope to see you there at least and I'll do a meetup in Boston. Just make sure you're following Potterless somewhere on social media so I can post updates about all of these fun things. And speaking of social media, we've made some changes to the Potterless Patreon Discord. I recognize that not everyone knows what Discord is and how it works. So me and the mods have changed things to where you can quote-unquote test drive the Discord before you decide whether or not it's worth you being a $2 or above patron. Basically, you can see some of the channels and see what those conversations look like, and then if you become a $2 and above patron, you can join the conversation. So if you want to test drive it, head on over to bit.ly slash Discord, all lowercase, and you can see what it's like. It's really fun. It's been a blast. There have been some incredible discussions, and I hope you enjoy. And speaking of things that I enjoy, we've new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Rancid Eddie, Teresa Schmidt, Stepanka Silanova, Cassie, Delphine, Kaiser, Gaurav, Claire Craig, Emily Lang, Katie Cuspis, Louise, Benedict D, Valdez Stephenson, Zima HM, Erin, Tanvi Sawney, Arnaud, Mi Hendrickson, Elena Neal, Hazel Jean, Kieran Monker, Toby Keith Whitney, Cassidy Marsh, Katerina Schneidmiller, Tani Juran, and someone that made their name Howdy Pardner, but like a name. <laughs> A name correction for Courtney Spilker and shout out to our new producer level patrons, Anna Penalber Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, and Karu Teru. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Abid, Rosemary, Maria, Lisa, Rumina, Kamel, Russell, Audra, Eleanor, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Ali, Kat, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Srujanetta, Remy, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Skymart, Sarah, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Itzel, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Kelsey, Ellie, Lubin, Maleo, Lena, Daniel, Lee, 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 Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Cara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Andrea, Carrie, Jamie, Camillo, Connie, Janet, Mary, Emo, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Artemis, Brett, Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermani, Lior, Megan, Out of Context, Liam, Milena, Marcos, Ella, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marik, Ashton, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Brittany, Steamed Nuggets, Can't I Potter? And yes, I can! Who never get to train stations just as the train is leaving and then have to look sadly as their train doors close and it moves away with without them as they stand at the station. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content like bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive merchandise, discounts on the merch store, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 94 of Potterless covering the first part of the first movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer slash Philosopher's Stone, guest starring Julia Shafini and Paul Bay. And welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who took three years to read children's books and is now watching movies. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by two lovely guests, one of whom has read the Harry Potter series and seen the movies, and one who has only seen the movies. So let's start with the person who knows less about the series, Paul Bay. Paul, how's it going? Good. And it's not plural movies, just movies. Oh, you've, yeah. I just <laughs> the watched only the, one. the one movie because of this. <laughs> Just for this. You are the purest of Harry Potter fan you can be for the purposes of this podcast. 
podcast. We originally connected at the first PodCon because you were the only other person in a hotel party of about 50 people that hadn't read Harry Potter before. And someone identified me as the other person that fit that bill. And then we got to talking and it was fantastic. That's how we became friends. I beelined over to you and I looked at your hair and I said, there's no way that hair sat in front of a Harry Potter novel or Harry Potter book section. That's my friend right now. I'm going to grab him a beer. (laughs) Yeah, one of your keystones, which slowly made their way through friends' parties in my fridge because there were like 28 leftovers since no one wanted them. Oh, sorry, Rolling Rock. I don't want to disparage your name. It was Rolling Rock. That's right. But also, for listeners at home, you may have heard a familiar voice. It's Multitude's own Julia Shafini. That's me. Hi. How's it going? I'm doing all right. In the booth. So we've got Paul Skyped in. We've got Julia in the booth. And we're here to talk about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer slash Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you live. Yeah, I saw someone on the internet already get mad that you called it the Sorcerer's Stone. Look, the whole podcast is my journey, <laughs> and I live in America. I hate to break it to everyone listening. It's like, this is, oh, it's such an American perspective. Hi. Um, but I, where I live, it's called the Sorcerer's Stone. I apologize. I'm also not going to call aluminum foil aluminum foil just because other people call it that. But yes, depending on where you live, it's sorcerers slash philosopher. And you have what countries it's sorcerers, right? Yes, it was very weird. It's the United States, Pakistan, and India. What a weird poll. India is the most surprising because I feel like they have a lot of British influence and vice versa. So yeah. you would think that they'd be on the same page. Yeah, you would think so. But no, I guess they wanted to be, you know, because of all the like conquest and whatnot and mm. colonization, they probably want to be a little bit different. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, not just not just American influence. <laughs> my, my buddy, uh, Indian buddy went back to, on a like a homeland trip, a trek through uh, uh, India, just as rediscovering his roots. And he sent me a photo of a small village gathering where they're in front of one TV watching a Korean drama. I love that. Yeah, so it's American and Korean. Was it a good one? Was it a good Korean drama? I couldn't hear it over the photograph, so (laughs) I'm I'm not sure, but it looked like they were enwrapped by it. I was assuming that you knew which one it was on site, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) So the main thing that I want to talk about in these episodes is just the difference between the films and the books, and that's the whole point of having someone who hasn't read the books is we can have fun discussions based on what is different and what things they changed, what things Things they didn't, things that they removed, things that they added. It's not always that things that change are worse. Some things are better, but sometimes it can be a little frustrating. So I say we get right into the beginning of the movie and we'll just go through chronologically all the things that I noticed and talk a little bit about it. Sure, let's do Sounds it. Sounds good. I'm going to talk about casting as things come up because Please the casting do. is really weird and really interesting. Yes, what I've noticed from the casting of these films, just with my limited knowledge of seeing them and knowing who's in them, they really get all star, star studded casts, especially for the adult roles, even for tiny little cameo bit parts, which is very surprising. Yes, uh, there was actually when Christopher Columbus and J.K. Rowling were talking about what kind of casting they wanted to do. They wanted to make sure that all of the actors were either English or Scottish or Irish. Authentic. Yeah, authentic. Trying to keep it real. Well, for me, it was weird, like as someone who grew up in the 70s and 80s, seeing my favorite 80s character actors like Alan Rickman, (laughs) John Hurt, Richard Harris. I'm like, they're all in this movie Mm -hmm. and they're all old now. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. I wonder if there could be an American equivalent if there was some American book series that went super popular and then they turned it into a TV series and then it's just Tom Cruise and I'm just naming the actors from Top Gun at this point. Okay, yeah, there, there you go, perfect. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. So it's Top Gun. It's Carl what Weathers. What was that really, uh, The Expendables? Was yes. that the movie where it's all the old action yeah. stars doing another action movie? Pretty much, that's all what right. it was. I think it would be fun, though. I think what Paul is bringing up here is that it would be fun to have people that were in action movies and stuff be in a children's series Sure, of there you films. go, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get the guy whose stomach exploded on Alien yeah. into this children's movie. Yep. I'm on board. Love John Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the first things that happens in the film is McGonagall does the cat transformation and they use the classic shadow to do Mm. it. And it happens in the first 15 seconds. And I just love it. Like right off the bat, the movie's just saying, here's magic. We're hitting you with it. Let's go. No ramp up. I love it. It's a very different introduction from the books. Yes. Because the whole first chapter of the books is told from Vernon Dursley's perspective, which is a very weird way to start the Harry Potter novels when you think about it. I like the transformation with a cat because it got real dark real fast after that for me. I grew up with this um, illogical fear of abandonment by my parents. Oh, no. All right. I don't know where that came from, but I always had that. I think it's because of this golf magazine that was sitting on my parents' toilet one time when I was like kindergarten. And I remember reading it saying, 
why do golfers divorce more than anyone else? And I was thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to be abandoned on the street. They're going to divorce. And it, back then in the, in the 70s, there was like a ton of like shows about abandoned kids and orphan dogs helping abandoned kids. Oh, of course, obviously the mm. best genre. Yeah, That was a regular thing. So I thought, well, I better get a fucking dog because I'm going to be on the street. <laughs> but that thing caused me like I, I watched. That, I'm like, Jesus, how did kids watch this movie and not get freaked out by the first 15 minutes of this kid living under the stairs? OK, so I think that, like, you know, talking through the Harry Potter movie would be great. But maybe we should talk through this, Paul, too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a licensed therapist, but like maybe we can unpack that. A yeah, little for bit. this offshoot podcast, Fatherless, where we talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> I already spent $3,800 on it. I'm good now. All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. And I never have to clip my nails now. That's great. great. Perfect. (laughs) So yeah, Paul, in the books, it's different. The first chapter starts from Vernon Dursley, the grumpy stepdad of Harry. Uncle. Yeah, his uncle, pseudo-stepdad, father figure, whatever, grumpy large man. He is the beginning chapter of the first book. The whole perspective is that the wizards are celebrating the death of Voldemort, and he is just witnessing this all take place. And that's how the book starts. Mm -hmm. Well, that is weird. Does he talk about Harry then, his nephew? Does he talk about the, the like, how does he talk about Harry? Yeah, like in, in... He, he talks about it, like, from the perspective of we don't talk to that side of the family anymore. Oh. But he hears the name Potter mentioned, so he talks to his wife and is like, have you heard about, you know, your sister and uh, her dumb husband? And she's like, no, I haven't. And then they just leave it at that. Does he explain why his nephew lives under the stairs? Because from the movie, it looks like the house would have another room. Dudley does have another room yes. solely for his toys. Oh, gross. Which they eventually move Harry into in the books, but not in the uh, movie. Also, by that point, he uh, Vernon doesn't know that he's going to basically inherit Harry because it's told the day before they drop Harry off at their doorstep. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. They cut out a lot of stuff for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Julie was even telling me before we recorded, the first line in the book is Vernon... Dursley lived a very normal life. Thank you very much. Uh, Vernon Dursley was perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Which is a fun way to open the series. You got to give credit to JK. But yeah, they kind of cut out all of that and just get straight to the chase, which is one of the changes that I think makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's fun for the book, but I don't think you need it for the movie because you're going into it knowing what you're getting. So let's just get right to the magic. And then boom, McGonagall's a cat now. Yeah, if you spent five minutes with Vernon Dursley and his like drill company, it probably wouldn't have been fun. (laughs) I would have zoned out of that movie. That sounds like a wonderful (laughs) start to a book i i people should read this book oh yeah (laughs) i agree so the next thing that it does is it shows the logo it zooms in on harry's lightning bolt with a very cheesy effect and then shows the harry potter logo and what's different in this instance versus every other version of the film is that in the following seven movies it slowly zooms in through the harry potter logo and it's very iconic and this first time it just kind of flashes it shows it and then flashes to light again and harry is now almost 10 years old yes Uh, Almost almost 11 11 years old. He is 10. He's turning 11 soon. One day I'll remember Harry's age. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we get the brilliant score from John Williams in that opening scene, and it's beautiful. What other movies has he done? He's one of those. I know he has titles. This is going to be a common theme with these movie episodes. It's like, I know this name. What's this person from? Jaws, Star Wars. Oh, okay. All all the things. If Steven Spielberg did it, John Williams probably did the score for it. Hmm. E.T.? Yes. Cool. Raiders of Raiders the Lost, Lost Ark. Yeah. Oh, wow. This guy's really good. Yeah, he does like all of all of the movies. Okay, yeah. All I the know. movies you watched in your childhood, mm-hmm. John Williams. My brain was thinking it's either John Williams or Hans Zimmer that did every movie. And then if it was an 80s movie, it was Kenny Loggins? Hans Zimmer is more recent, I feel like. Okay, he but started... he did a bunch of the Disney stuff. Right. Cool. I'm going to tomorrow start a podcast called uh, Williams List, <laughs> and I'm going to have you come on as a guy who's never heard John Williams music. I've heard them. It's more of a man that has heard these and go, oh, that's John Williams too. It'll be a great <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Every episode will be 45 seconds. So one thing that I noticed that was interesting in the Drizzly's house is that they have a door between the kitchen and the foyer, which... For me, as someone that cooks a lot, that's a great way to make everything in your kitchen smell like butt. (laughs) You need air circulation. Why would you actively hinder that? They have that beautiful garden area. And I think it's like an old, like the differentiation between where the help cooks and where you serve food. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is like an old (laughs) British thing. Yeah, uncomfortable social status things. Cool. (laughs) Well, when I, uh, about four years ago, my wife and I were shopping uh, around for a house before we bought the house we're living in right now. Some houses we found in certain parts of the city in the more uh, multi-ethnic, vibrant parts, (laughs) there was a kitchen and then there was another door leading to a smaller kitchen. 
And I'm like, what the hell is this? And they're like, oh, that's the spice room. The spice ah, yes, room. of course. Yeah, where you would get a bit more pungent in there, where people oh. would grind their spices from, from scratch and, and make it for like Indian foods, uh, Chinese foods. Uh, it's it pretty awesome. cool. And it was, you know, well ventilated. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's not what was going on in Harry Potter. <laughs> I can't imagine the Dursleys having a spice room. If they did, yeah. it would have salt and pepper. Maybe. <laughs> Harry sleeps in the spice room. Oh, there it is. That's where Harry sleeps, in the spice room under the stairs. <laughs> So one other thing that is very minor but is different is that in the books, Dudley and Petunia are blonde. And in the movies, they have brownish hair. Yeah, you just cast who you cast. Pretty much. Yeah. So then they go to the zoo for Dudley's birthday. And something that is different in the books than the film is that Harry still talks to the snake. But in the film, he just kind of talks. The snake nods. The glass goes away. It leaves. And it says, thanks. But in the book, it's one step better because it is, first off, a different snake. Mm -hmm. In the movie, it's a Burmese python. Mm -hmm. And in the books, it's a boa constrictor. And it notes that it's from Brazil. So in the book, when Harry lets it go free, the snake slithers by and says, thanks, amigo. Right? (laughs) Or Brazil, here I come. Brazil, here I come. Thanks, amigo. (laughs) Which is so much better than just thanks in the film. But the problem is they changed the snake. So a Burmese python isn't going to be going to Brazil or speaking either Portuguese or Spanish. Yeah. Why did they change the snake? Does that matter I at don't all? Know. Maybe that was just like, which snake can we get from the rental animal uh, company? Mm. And then they did it based on that. Ugh. Yeah. And were there a bunch of writers credited with the screenplay? Because sometimes people come in to punch up a script and they'll add a joke Ooh, last minute. Excellent question. That does, is not consistent with everything else. I'm going to find out. Hold yeah. on, Paul. But the thing is, they removed the joke. They removed Thanks Amigo, which makes me incredibly disappointed. Yes, but they did add Dudley getting stuck behind the glass of the exhibit, that which is, is very good. That is true, and that's good. Yeah, in the book, he doesn't get, the glass doesn't reappear in the book, and he doesn't get stuck behind it, which is a very fun addition in the film. Uh, just one writer credited. Got it. Who was it? Steve Cloves. So does JK not get credit? Does she get screenplay she credit gets, like, or something? She gets consulting credit, I think. But Interesting. Yeah. Do you know if she ended up getting writing credit later on? Like, did she have more say in the future films? I think she's had the same adaptation rights the mm-hmm. whole time. And by the way, um, Steve Cloves wrote all but one of the Harry Potter films. I'm going to figure out which one. Ooh, Hold on. fun. But she got some money for the movies, right? Because I heard she does quite well. <laughs> I think she just got a couple, a little bit of change. Cool, cool. It was everything but Order of the Phoenix. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'll have to see if that one feels different than Mm -hmm. the rest of them. It does. (laughs) Oh, good, good, good. good. So then after this whole zoo thing, one of the next scenes is Harry getting all of the acceptance letters to Hogwarts and they just start coming in in ridiculous fashion where it's just letter after letter. They get thrown in through the chimney and there's owls and they're popping up everywhere. But one thing that I noticed, Hogwarts doesn't give a damn about the environment. Mm-mm. They're murdering trees all over the place. I hope there's like magical recycling. Ooh, I would hope. And it actually is 100% of things get yeah. reused. Yeah, that would yeah. be very nice. They do <gasps> like disappear a lot of things. So okay. I imagine like maybe the letter gets sent and then when they throw it out, it just disappears and it returns back and then they send it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope so, at least. I like to live in this world where Captain Planet and the Planeteers also are Hogwarts students. Mm-hmm. And sure. then Captain Planet is... A house ghost, basically, but environment. But dress that way. Paul, there was a show called Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just going to ask that. I have no clue what this it is. It was a 90s show about why recycling is good. And why climate change is bad. Mm-hmm. And they all had powers. There were five children, all of different uh, racial backgrounds, mm-hmm. and they all had rings, each of a different element, earth, wind, fire, water, and heart, of course. Mm-hmm. And when they put their powers together, they summoned Captain Planet, who had silver skin and a green mullet. Mm-hmm. So this was a kid's show? This was yep. a kid's show. It was basically... Basically around just before Magic School Bus. Mm-hmm. It was around that time. Oh, so I, I didn't, I missed it because that was that was the, the decade I was getting divorced. Yes. Hmm. So yeah. As we've established. You're such a fun <laughs> guest, Paul. <laughs> I feel like this is Paul Bay therapy time. <laughs> yeah, the whole time watching this movie, I'm thinking, where's everyone's spouses? Is everyone divorced in this school? Yes. No one has so much magic and anger and, and darkness. There are no married teachers. <laughs> None of the teachers that live at Hogwarts are married. Except in my brain, Sprout and Hooch. Yes, definitely correct. Married. <laughs> so one thing that they didn't put in the film, it is a deleted scene, but it didn't make the cut, is in the books, the letters start coming up in more ridiculous places just than the windows and the chimneys. They start coming out of things like eggs. When you crack eggs, a letter comes out, and they did make it 
deleted scene, which is nice, but I really wish it was in the actual film itself because that's such a fun visual. Mm -hmm. So then afterwards, they go onto the scene where they are escaping from all of these ridiculous amount of letters. They go in the boat, they're in the water, they end up going to this other house. The house on the rock, I think is what they call it. Or the shack on the rock. The shack on the rock. One thing I did notice is that Harry has a watch and it's not just a watch it's an adidas sport watch mm-hmm. with an alarm set for midnight so he knows when his birthday is which definitely not in the book but i love that detail yeah. anything that grounds you in the time period of when these took place makes me so incredibly happy it's very good and then he goes on to do something that also isn't in the books where he draws a birthday cake in the dirt and then blows out his pretend dirt birthday candles, which is absolutely soul crushing yeah. in how sad it is. It's very sad. That was that was traumatic. <laughs> Paul, do you want to talk about watches for a second? Because I feel like <laughs> Yeah, resident watch expert Paul Bay, how much would this Adidas sport watch go for? That would go for maybe 30 bucks or something. I, I wasn't <laughs> jazzed about that choice of watch to be honest you know mike you've gone watch shopping with me if it's a movie about magicians i want to see something purely magical with an old school movement like from the 1960s or something like yeah that. i don't need some adidas watch like a diver's watch from rolex yeah if they're going to go on a lighthouse they should probably have a diver's watch or at least a gmt so they could take care of the time zones because it looks like it wasn't really close to their house you know that kind of thing mm. or they could get a a, C- a seiko with Spring action? Spring drive, Mike. Spring drive. Spring drive, drive. fuck. (laughs) Paul and I were walking around in New York, and to beat the heat, we went into a mall. What a beautiful mall. (laughs) So bad. It was the Hudson Yards one. We did the the High Line, which is great, and then it ends in Hudson Yards, which is the worst. We made fun of the pine cone and then went into this watch shop in the mall. And Paul actually knows things about watches, so he was asking about ones that they had. And then, this is the most disappointed I've ever been in you, Paul Bay, is they (laughs) offered you a drink because they got to the point where they realized you were seriously consider buying a watch which apparently unlocks getting beverages and they had a fully stocked bar but you didn't realize it and you said yeah i'll have a water and then i was just your friend so i couldn't say yeah i'll have a whiskey (laughs) always go for that free whiskey yeah i didn't notice the bar until i saw mike's eyes sort of widen behind me and i looked behind (laughs) i'm like there's a whole freaking bar behind me and i ordered water like they had bartenders just standing there ready to make a drink mm-hmm. for customers. Yeah, an old fashioned goes great with a good old uh, Submariner from Rolex. Well That's done. That's a watch, right? Very, that I, is I a watch. approve <laughs> of that joke. I approve of that uh-huh. one very highly. <laughs> But now what I want to do going forward, this pro tip, I want to dress very nicely, use the five sentences that I retained from Paul mm-hmm. and everyone listening, take down notes of all the things that we said that Paul confirmed, go into a watch store, say them, act like you know what you're talking about, and then boom, you can get a free drink. Free drink? Yeah. If they offer you water, look around for the bar. That's what I've learned now. <laughs> Make eye contact with the bartender. What gets me so angry is that if this was a Sims game, I would not have made it to the next level or whatever, right? Like, you know, we walk into me and my friend. Mike are going to the watch store. Would you like something to drink? Oh, yeah, I would like a water. (laughs) 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 Wasted. (laughs) So, my goodness. So then Hagrid comes into the mix, which is so much fun. I love the casting of Hagrid. That guy is incredible. He was one of the few actors that J.K. Rowling was like pitching for other than Maggie Smith. Oh, wow. She knocked it out of the park. They are two of the best actors in the entire franchise. I will say the original casting director was uh, not super thrilled by J.K. Rowling's decision. Oh, they can only be Irish or English mm-hmm. and really wanted. And also this person was very interested in the role, wanted Robin Williams to be <gasps> Hagrid. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think it would have worked very I don't well. either. But I love the idea of it. Yeah. Because there are movies where Robin Williams isn't just Robin Williams. There's movies where he is more serious. Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting, yeah. Stuff like that where he's not just, no, <laughs> but... <laughs> that is a great impression. <laughs> I would, A, love to see him just be in the Hagrid role. But I also would love to see Hagrid just in Robin Williams mode where it's basically Genie from Aladdin. Could be very fun. Yes, that would be fascinating. <laughs> Because there would just be so much useless magic. And we've already had movies where Robin Williams is like dressed as Hagrid, right? Like we've we've seen that already in his movies. Oh, in Jumanji where he's got oh, a big yeah, beard? Oh, yeah, that's a good right? point. Yeah, there's that one and there's one where he's he thinks he's a time traveler. I can't remember. It was back in the 80s and he's all disheveled beard. He looks just like Hagrid, except he's not nine feet tall. I got to look up the time traveler Robin Williams movie now. Hold on. Yeah, that's not ringing any bells for me. That sounds fascinating. Uh-huh. He, he thinks he's a time traveler. Or something like that. He's stuck in the past. I think it has, it to, has to do with trauma. Oh, oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Sounds on brand for what Paul's bringing to the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about trauma. 
<laughs> what a fun, happy podcast we have here. Oh, The Fisher King. The Fisher King. The Fisher King. What year was that, Paul? Oh, geez. I think it's 1991. All right. Oh, I found it. All right, cool. Yeah, he does look sad in this trailer. <laughs> oh, no, he's a homeless man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Look at that. Oh, Doesn't no. that look sad? He looks very sad. <laughs> yeah. It's a comedy drama, though, for some reason. That's good. I mean, hey, at least he's the Fisher King and not the Fisher Prince. Sure. So... Uh, anyway, Hagrid. <laughs> so Hagrid has a line that I don't know if this is in the books, but it stood out to me watching the film is after Vernon says something ill of Albus Dumbledore. Hagrid says, quote, never insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. That is in the book. OK, just the distinction of in front of me makes my cynical brain think, oh, so talking smack about him behind his back is OK. Just only, <laughs> only if it doesn't get back to Hagrid. <laughs> So afterwards, Hagrid takes Harry out of there and says the Euro wizard, which I found a little, I feel like the delivery wasn't as boisterous as it had hyped up to be because it's very matter of fact where he's like, you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. And I thought it was more of like, you're a wizard. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so, I think it's like, it's a little understatement. You don't want to scare an already scared small <laughs> child more be like, you're a wizard. That's very true. You have to like sit him down. Okay, Harry, I'm going to tell you something very surprising. You're a wizard. <laughs> I'm a what? Yes, so. thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> the most memed part of any of the movies. There's a that. great just spoof of that. The YouTube video where it's just two mm -hmm. very Irish or Scottish people. I forget their accent where they're just you're a wizard back and forth for six minutes and it becomes really heated and I angry. Halfway Scottish. through, Yeah. About halfway through. It's like, you're a fucking wizard. Harry, yeah, I've seen that one. Shit. <laughs> and it's very good. So then Hagrid and Harry leave and they make their way into the magical part of things. And uh -huh. one of the first things they do is they go to the Leaky Cauldron, which is run by Tom the Innkeeper, a.k.a. the Your Toothless Walnut, one of my favorite descriptions of a person. Paul, in the books, they describe that barkeep as a toothless walnut. Or if you have the UK <laughs> edition of the books, a gummy walnut to signify that he does not have teeth. Gummy is somehow so much worse. <laughs> yeah, it's more gross. Yeah. And is that John Hurt's character? No. This is some dude that they recast for the later movie. Oh, okay. Yes. So I met the person, Jim Tavare, who they recast. He ended up being in the fourth movie or the third movie? Third. Third. It's when he's talking to Fudge. Right. So they recast as the third movie. And what's interesting is that in the first one, as a barkeep, he's very much as a barkeep. He's got the classic button-down shirt and that garter thing on the sleeves. He looks more on par with what I was anticipating. And then in the third one, they recast and they basically said, what if you were just Igor from Young Frankenstein? Mm -hmm. And that's it. And it's a different take on it. And I met Jim. He's an incredibly nice person. But uh, I was very surprised at how different from the first movie to the third it was, because it wasn't just a recast. It was a rebranding of the yeah. entire character. They were like, what if we made it funnier? What if just this person was funny? And a little creepy. Yeah. I have a clip of I got to interview Jim Tavare, and he was Prince Charles, one of the prince's favorite stand-up comedian. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm not surprised by that. He seems like a funny dude. He was incredibly funny, mm -hmm. as you'll see on that movie episode of Potterless, where uh -oh. I splice in that interview. There it is. So then they actually get into Diagon Alley, and there's a movie trope that I absolutely love that takes place, <laughs> which is when side characters in a film say something as the camera gets to them, which doesn't make any sense. So there's a part where there's a bunch of children standing around a store that is selling a Nimbus 2000, one of the top-of-the-line brooms that you can use for flying in Quidditch. Hint, we see it later. Mm-hmm. And just as the camera pans with Hagrid and Harry walking behind them and gets on the kids' faces, then one of the children, and they're all standing there, and I assume they've been there for a couple seconds, goes, look at that! The new Nimbus 2000! Which I just... Uh, it's so good. <laughs> that they would just be standing there looking at a thing that has Nimbus 2000 written on it for a couple seconds and then someone goes, oh! <laughs> it would be one thing if you see them run up and then they say the line, right. but they've been there for like at least a minute. <laughs> they've been there for too long for someone to say that. Although, although in, in their defense, I've had many situations where I've walked into a, like a situation like that where people are already standing around and they say the thing when I get there. Mm. Are you the protagonist in a film, Paul? <laughs> I am the protagonist. So right. in that scene's defense, like well, I remember this one time, I always bring this up, that, uh, I was at a McDonald's and uh, there's this guy already standing there and I made my order and I had to stand to the left uh, next to this dude who I didn't know while we waited for our fries. And then the, the fries came out of the oil and they started shaking it and the guy sort of elbowed me like a little nudge. And I look over at him and he goes, ah, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. 
<laughs> that happens to me all the time. You're just very like, approachable. I, I think I look like someone you could say obvious things to, <laughs> and I won't get offended. Like I'll, I'll be like, "Thank you for that information." So I think Harry has that face. <laughs> there in you the, go. In, the, in that scene's defense. <laughs> you know what, Paul? You're right. Hey, everyone, it's me editing, Mike. It's been so long. I've missed you so dearly. Movie tropes are fun and cliche moments are great, especially if it's something you were expecting anyway. And everyone here is expecting me to do what I'm about to do, which is Wingardium Edredosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Skillshare. Let's say hypothetically that you just found out you're a wizard and you're going to school and you're completely incompetent. You didn't even know wizards existed up until this point and you want to try to quickly catch up to speed so that your potions professor doesn't make fun of you in the first day of school. Well, how are you going to get caught up to speed very quickly on your own time? You're going to do that with Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators and they have over 25,000 classes to fuel your creativity, your curiosity, and your career. They have classes in design, business, photography, social media, anything that you're looking for, and they can help you improve something that you're already working on or develop a new skill. I've used it to get better with something as simple as time management because I'm really bad at that and I'm really good at procrastinating and I wish those two things were flipped. And Skillshare is helping me make the most of my time and I very much appreciate them for doing so. So whether you're trying to develop a new passion or start a new side hustle or develop new professional skills to round out your portfolio or resume, Skillshare is there to help you learn thrive, and reach new goals. And as a Potterless listener, you can get two months of Skillshare Premium for free if you go to Skillshare.com slash Potterless. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Potterless. You'll get two months of Skillshare Premium for free. Try some classes, see what's out there. There's over 25,000, so there's going to be something that you like. And go on over, check that out, Skillshare.com slash Potterless. Get those two free months and start learning how to be a wizard before everyone schools you today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. Wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com You can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Oh my goodness. So while they're in Diagon Alley, they make their way to Ollivander, the guy who sells wands to children and is a little creepy about it. Yes. Another edition of Mike has heard this name but doesn't know who this person is. What else did this guy do? Paul, do you want to do this one? John Hurt's the one in, in, uh, I first saw him in 
the first Alien movie, oh. where it's just Alien. Okay. And he's the guy on the on the slab where the alien goes into him, and he, uh, the famous scene where the alien eats its way out of his stomach. Cool. Yeah. And that's when John Hurt, who was already a fine stage actor in England, sort of blew up like to the rest of the world, like, oh, that's like, that, that's him now. <laughs> and I think he was sort of typecast as that guy because he did it mm-hmm. so well because he's such a great actor. He was specifically cast in movies where his stomach explodes. <laughs> Yeah, I remember SNL sketches where they would have guys with like exploding stomach. Like that was a big 80s meme as as, as memes go back in the 80s. That was it. Okay. All right. He was also in V for Vendetta, Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Most recently, he was in Doctor Who as the war doctor. And I think his last film that he ever filmed was the Snowpiercer movie. Okay. With the train that goes around the frozen wasteland that ah. is the... Uh, the earth now okay cool cool, cool. literally everything you mentioned i have not seen so i'll get into it (laughs) these are all things that i know i should see though he's one of those actors that sort of ages into his face yes like his actor face Mm -hmm. like he got so many movie roles as he aged like it just got better yes he got more roles as he got older which is typically the opposite of what happens to actors yeah i feel like that's happening to jeff goldblum now where he was hot and young and now he's hot daddy yeah he's hot daddy (laughs) and he's just getting recast as hot daddy and everything and he's just so pleasant he's so wonderful yes i would uh oh he's got the new disney plus show i'm gonna watch that Mm -hmm. i might get disney plus solely for that show yep so anyway, Ollivander, one thing that I didn't realize is if you go to Universal Studios, the theme park, you can do the Ollivander experience. It's very cute. They usually bring up a small child or Julia or Jake and my <laughs> fiance, Kelly. They bring up the cutest, happiest person that happens to be in the room and they sure. do the whole thing. And they do it word for word, beat for beat for the movie scene, which I did not realize until I rewatched this film. And I really like that idea that Ollivander does the same speech to everyone who walks in (laughs) he's like let me scare some 11 year olds this year it's the only chance i get to do it that's my favorite time of the year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. scaring 11 year olds the only difference is that in the theme park thing flowers wilt and in the movie a vase explodes which i understand why they didn't do that in the theme park (laughs) hard to fix that (laughs) but the casting of him is also perfect because he's just the right level of creepy because olivander's a little creepy Mm -hmm. and i think they did a very good job hitting the nail on the head with this guy intense is a good way to describe him yes Mm -hmm. very intense about something that doesn't necessarily need to be Mm -hmm. which i think is good yeah hold on one second here i just gotta let my dog out okay cool Five seconds. Wait, so who let the dogs out? Who? 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 (laughs) My favorite thing about who let the dogs out is that it's actually about jerk douche dudes showing up to a bar. Yeah. That's actually... And being like, oh, all these ladies, not hot. Yeah. Hey, editing Mike here, just further clarification, because it's very important to me that everyone knows the full meaning behind the lyrics of Who Let the Dogs Out. The first verse goes, quote, well, the party was nice, the party was pumping, A-I-Yippee-I-O, and everybody having a ball, Yippee-I-O, and tell the fellas stop the name calling, Yippee-I-O, them girls respond to the call, I hear a woman shout out, and then Who Let the Dogs Out, Who-Who-Who. So the song is about everyone having a great time at the bar and then these jerks show up to the bar and start name calling the women and the women actually yell towards these awful men who let the dogs out and then there's some further conflict afterwards but it's actually an incredible anthem written by the Baha men and everyone just assumes that the song is about a negligent person in charge of dogs in a kennel or something I'm not sure but I really want to make sure that everyone knows that this is an incredibly progressive song written by the Baha men shout out to the Baha Amen. Anyway, back to the podcast. All right, I'm back. So, Paul, you you let the dogs out. You 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 you. I did let the dogs out. <laughs> they were sticking up the studio. They were just farting nonstop. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pass out here. I've only had two coffees. I'm not I'm not at uh, strength uh, no. yet to withstand this and talk on Potterless. <laughs> oh my goodness! You need a fart free Paul on this one. There we go. <laughs> Which was, by the way, my breakdance name. Fart free Paul. I love hey, it. I mean, if you're breaking, you can't be breaking wind too. There you go. There you go. So a little bit later, Harry asks Hagrid what happened to his parents, and Hagrid explains the whole Voldemort situation. And there's a flashback, and this flashback is interesting. Mm. It's not very well done. They improve upon it in later iterations in the film. The low series. budget version. Yeah, it just looks weird. It's really gimmicky the way you see it from Voldemort's perspective, and the way he opens the door is really gimmicky, and then. And Lily is just standing straight up when it shows him murdering her. She's not draped over Harry or being dramatic or yelling. She's just standing and then gets murdered. And then Harry, as a child, is definitely 
two years old. I know he's not exactly a newborn in mm-hmm. the scene when it happens, but I have a niece that's two and a half, and this baby looked about that age, yeah. <laughs> which is... Which you is know. the canonical age we know that Harry's parents were killed during. But when they showed him in the first scene mm-hmm. in this movie, he is an infant. That's the thing, yeah. is that in the flashback, he's older than he was when he gets dropped off at the doorstep. It's weird. And it's very strange. They didn't think about that too much. They clearly didn't. But they improve on this flashback later on. But it, it just looks really gimmicky and it didn't make me sad. <laughs> like, I didn't really Fair. have an emotional connection to it. You're like, oh, that's what happened. All <laughs> oh, right. cool. Moving yeah, on. sweet, fun. So eventually, Harry makes his way to school. Hagrid just drops him off at a train station. <gasps> right, yes, gosh. And that's the thing that they changed. So, Paul, in the books, after Hagrid and Harry go on this big shopping spree. For his birthday. Mm-hmm, Hagrid brings Harry back to the Dursley family, and then Harry lives with them for about a month or so, and then they bring Harry to King's Cross so that he can get on the train. But in the movie, Hagrid just... Keeps Harry the whole time. Just drops him off. And then just drops him off and is like, oh, I gotta leave. Dumbledore makes me do a thing. And then he's gotta get out of there. Like, what about Harry's other possessions that are probably mm-hmm. still with the Dursleys? Mm-hmm. Nope. I know he doesn't have a lot of possessions, but it's still something. Look, he's going to have his Tamagotchi. He's got to make sure that it doesn't poop. Oh, you think they got him a Tamagotchi? (laughs) Maybe he got like the one that that Dudley killed or something and got bored of it. It seemed weird that Hagrid is is in charge of like getting Harry safely to the school and and takes him to this place where it's most crowded. We're not even a magical kid. Like a regular kid would probably get lost. Just leaving an 11 year old at a train station. Yeah, that that was really weird to me. I'm like, well, he's going to be swooped up by an evil person right here. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but he made it on through that wall thing (laughs) somehow. Paul just created a really good AU where (laughs) instead of the Weasleys finding Harry, it's the Malfoys. Oh, 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 the Malfoys, the evil family, in case you forgot, the blonde ones, (laughs) Draco Malfoy. Yes. But yeah, so that was clearly just a plot thing. But it's very ill-fitted for making sense of it because in the books, the reason that Harry doesn't know how to get to Platform 9 and 3 quarters is because the Dursleys don't care about him, so they just leave him. Hagrid should care about Harry and doesn't even, while he has to leave, doesn't say, there's a platform, you have to run through a brick wall, trust me, it's fine. He just doesn't say anything. Listen. I, I guess you could justify that maybe it's so normal to Hagrid that he forgot. But yeah, this was jarring. When I watched this in the film, I was like, that's that's not what happened, right? And I pulled out the book and made yeah. sure that that wasn't Hagrid just being incredibly irresponsible. I love Hagrid. He is not the most responsible person. <laughs> no, he should not have said that. He should nope. not have done that is his mm-hmm. resounding cry. So anyway, when Harry finally gets to the school, a lot of what happens is him taking in magic for the first time and realizing things and learning new stuff. And there are so many cuts of a zoom in or just a pan of just Daniel Radcliffe's zoomed in face reacting, whether it's surprise or happiness or giddiness. And I just loved to imagine a director with a camera right in Daniel Radcliffe's 11 year old grill just saying, "Okay, now act pleasantly surprised act in wonderment and then they just have a super cut of all of those reactions oh hey can i talk about the casting of the trio real quick yes please because we're at that point so the original casting director actually quit when uh christopher columbus selected daniel radcliffe Mm -hmm. for the role because they basically done like an open audition they're like yeah it's it's a child who cares we're gonna like have thousands of people audition because Mm -hmm. children typically aren't actors and we'll make them actors it's fine but Christopher Columbus had seen Daniel Radcliffe in a BBC production of David Copperfield. Okay, wow. And he was like, I like you, come audition, I think you'd be great. And so he did and got cast. When it came to Emma Watson as Hermione, she had already been acting for a while. She actually trained at Oxford, which is like damn fancy. And she never thought she was going to get the role. She just kind of auditioned because her professor said, hey, you should do this. Cool. And they ended up casting her because she was like, much more confident than everyone else. Nice. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to do this because it's fun. And then Rupert Grant sent in a rap about how he should be Ron Weasley because he was already <laughs> a big fan of the books. And he's like, I got red hair too. Oh, is there a clip of this rap somewhere online? There's a clip of him talking about it. Okay. But I don't think uh, there's a clip of the original rap. I will try to find it for you and you can uh, insert it here. I can only imagine that there would be things along the lines of like, when it comes to this casting, the decision is easy. I should be the one to play Ron Weasley. Thank you. That's perfect. It's mm-hmm. very um, good. You're stuck with the decision. 
the obvious choices right there make me the boy with the orange hair. Ginger hair would be. <laughs> but very good. Yeah. So that's wait, our trio. Is, is, wait, can Mike keep going? I'm going to grab another coffee. Right. Um, two perfect. more verses. Two more verses, Mike. You've cast some of the actors, but let's get another. I should be the one to play Fred's brother. Good. Ooh. You got one more in you. I believe Come in on. you. I, I know it'll be great. I'm going to have some fun if you give me the chance to be Molly's son. Oh, very good. <laughs> Beautiful. Well Proud done. <laughs> Bravo. I'll see if this is online and is, if see if it was better. But yeah, that, oh, that's not. impressive. That makes me really happy. Yeah. Good for Rupert. My respect for Rupert just quadrupled. What a good dude. So one of the things before they actually get to the school, they're on the Hogwarts Express and Harry is sitting with Ron and then Hermione comes in. And just a funny little note is that at one point after Hermione fixes Harry's glasses, which does not happen in the books, mm -mm. Harry takes off his glasses and then Hermione recognizes him as Harry Potter, which I thought was so funny because it's a recurring trope in the books that people only recognize Harry when he has his glasses on. It's like a reverse Clark Kent situation. I like the idea of Harry's glasses being so big that they block out the lightning scar. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. They're secretly transition lenses. Oh so they're goodness. always sunglasses oh and you can't see it. Uh, <laughs> if this movie took place a couple years later to where some of the kids had transition lenses. Like a decade oh, later. <laughs> oh, that'd be so incredible. Jeez. I'm waiting still for the future that happens in those transition lenses commercials mm -hmm. where A, everything is white and flying and B, transition and B, transition lenses actually work. <laughs> Jake has them from uh, Jake has transition lenses from Warby Parker and they work great. They actually go quickly. Yeah, because I remember there was a buddy of mine, Michael Conway, smartest kid in my K through eight school. He had <laughs> transition lenses and I remember we would be outdoor recess and it would take a good 20 minutes for those to not be sunglasses anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which like maybe was, two, I'd say. Okay, yeah, that's solid. Not bad. It was just funny because he was the nerdiest kid in school, mm -hmm. and he would be kicking it in class with sunglasses on, and it was just—it was a luck. It was quite <laughs> a very luck. Funny. So at Hogwarts, they mess up the whole Draco Harry thing, mm -hmm. or they change it. I don't know whether you want to say <laughs> they, they mess, mess it up. It up. <laughs> they, I have opinions. They make it different, which I think they make it worse. In the books, there's multiple instances of Draco being a jerk and being rude and being vaguely racist towards Muggleborns, and that informs Harry's opinion to not like Draco. In the movie, Draco comes up to Harry, makes fun of Ron, and then offers his friendship, offers a handshake, and Harry turns it down, saying, I can make my decisions of who is good and who isn't on my own. And then Draco is mad at him because he gets spurned. And I just found that to be less fun and less interesting. I liked Harry coming at this decision naturally and Draco just being a jerk mm -hmm. rather than Draco having a quote unquote excuse to not like Harry. Yeah. I'm very excited for you to watch a very Potter musical because they make fun of that a lot. Good, and it's very, good, very good. good. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's a classic line. Well, it sounds like the, the the movie sets up a lot of why Draco Draco Draco. Draco? It was, oh, I've been calling him Draco. Maybe because I grew up on yeah, Rocky movies. It is not Ivan Drago, the <laughs> boxer. It's not. It's uh, Ivan Draco. Okay, so Draco's like. I remember when he just gets into the school and uh, the teacher just looks at him. Like with this look, like you're an asshole. Like I know you're an asshole. It's because his family. As a former yeah. teacher, like I'm like, well, you're just setting him up for failure now, mm -hmm. right? Like you got Harry rejecting his friendship. You got the teachers looking at him, like put him in the asshole class where we know all the assholes go. <laughs> yeah. And so of course he's going to turn into this awful, awful kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, he's pretty much a shit before he got to Hogwarts, though. So I don't know. I think he just made it worse. There's no proof of that in the movie. That's fair. I, I'm going to challenge that He's right now. He's a spoiled now. rich kid who's already racist. <laughs> what, was there instances of his racism before then? In the book, there is. Oh, okay, okay. So as someone who hasn't seen it, I just kept thinking, poor blonde rich kid. That's all I kept thinking. <laughs> but this is something we've talked about before, Paul. Didn't you once bring up the, you, you once brought up like, why does Slytherin exist? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Because yeah, it's like, it's like, sounds like, a hey, we're going to have these schools here. We'll have the purple school. We'll have the red house and we'll have, hey, let's get that shit house over here. Okay, all the kids into the shit house. You, you, the one that looks like you're going to grow into a Nazi. You go into that one. Like, oh, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, it ain't wrong. You just teach them not as much magic or you make sure you don't teach them dark magic. Yeah. Well, they're not teaching anyone dark magic at the school, really. <sighs> I mean, they unintentionally yeah, are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Anyway. Anyway, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter indeed, past Mike, past Julia, and past Paul. Hey, it's me editing Mike here again. This discussion went on far too long for just one episode of Potterless, but that means next week we'll wrap it up and it will be so much fun. There is obviously much more of the film to discuss. We just got into a lot of the specifics and the casting fun facts, but wanted to cut it here and I hope you are all very excited for the next episode. I am as well. It's going to be very fun, but thank you all so much for listening. If you want to check out more of Paul, you can listen to his podcasts, The Black Tapes, The Big Loop, and his upcoming Marvel project called Marvels. And if you want to listen to Julia, she's on Multitude's podcast called Spirits. She's been on a bunch of episodes of Potterless and she does a lot of audio fiction you can check out all of her workings at juliashafini.com thank you so much for listening and until next time as they say in the wizarding world of harry potter before they let the dogs out wizard on if you want to be a part of an online community to meet other Potterless listeners and talk about Potterless-related things or just Harry Potter in general, but you can't afford the Discord because it's Patreon and money is tight and I understand everyone's in a different situation, if you want one that's free and out there and super fun, you should check out the Potterless Fancy private Facebook group. If you go to facebook.com Potterless and look at link groups, it's there and there's so much fun discussion happening there. I hope you join. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klober, Char Klaus, Lopu, Frank Chioto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Maria Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadanera, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Audra, Eleanor Kerlin, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Takaria Ront, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withred, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingen Stutter, Maury Wynn, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Frida J. Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Athel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Carrie D. Bagason, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Surgeon Thanme Gupta, Neta Atabani, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zina Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Remy Fontaine, Addie Bryan, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Sky Mart 6, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryan, Christina Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Leela Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Sira Skiaris for Georgia, Itzel Aime Ayala, Al Vega, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Wisen, Ellie Huskov Choba, Alubin Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Lee Lee, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lee Cafaccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mum Make Them For You, Kara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Andrea, Kerry Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Camilo Garcia, Connie Binkowski, Janet Noel Detilly, Mary Mati, Inmo Sarah, Jennifer Went, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Alman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Huser, Zephyr Lawrence, Artemis Peters, Brett Clausen, Samantha Lenz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Hermani Snape, Lior Nachum, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Malena Brandy, Marco Cepeda, Ella Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Courtney, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Jennifer from the Block, Anna Penalbar Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Karu Teru, Steamed Nuggets, Can't I Potter? And Yes I Can! Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Patina Kampamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Potterless pod, instagram.com slash Potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For merchandise, you can go to bit.ly slash merch on. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. And for bonus content, you can head to patreon.com slash Potterless. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's online via reviews or just telling a human, that helps so much. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!